Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. You know what Peggy said about tithing that when she learned about tithing? You know, church is all about the Bible. The Bible is all about God. And the, the intention of the church is to teach you God's ways. The more we learn about Him and apply it to our lives, the better off we are. Amen? The stronger we are. The less likely we are to get our legs kicked out from under us by the enemy. The closer we draw to Jesus, the more we look like Him. And that's the purpose of the church. As, as I look out here to see a bunch of Jesuses out here. Hallelujah. And trust me, that's a lot better than... And you guys are getting there. Every week you look better. Your smiles get bigger. And as I was jumping back there, thanks to Mary... With that song, I'm thinking, I'm going to have to get me some Depends, because, <laughs> hey, I'm almost 60, you know. All right, I won't rush it. I'm going to be 59, but. I love church. And I wasn't here Friday night, but I, I kept taking little peeks through the security camera from my house because my back has been messed up and I've been trying to baby it. And I'm watching all these people and I'm going, man, I want to be there. I should have just come, but I didn't. Bad me. But my point is that now, night of worship, I think it just touches God's heart. And I also believe it routes the enemy. Worship routes the enemy. When you worship, it routes the enemy. The more of us that are in here, the more of the enemy that's routed. I hope I'm getting that point across. Hey, a couple things real quick. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have communion together. So, it'll be corporate. You won't find the trays over there. Uh, also, as we grow, one of the things that we seem to run into is that technology is everywhere. And so, if you are here, Andy, would you raise your hand? That's Andy. He's got his hand up. Blue shirt, good-looking guy back there about to have a baby. Well, he's not, but he's not, but he's anticipating when his wife does. He is our communications and media director, and he needs your help. If you know anything about computers, uh, if you're technically inclined, I'm not, and that poor guy this morning, I, I, I think at least 10 people were grabbing him at the same time. You got to fix this computer, you got to fix that one, you got to get this up, you got to get that up, and I'm sitting there, God, we need help. So I'm asking you, if you know anything about this or know people that do, that's the man you want to see. Have him go to him and talk to him about it, and, and he'll start working in that direction. And Andy, you are awesome, man. I, I just... I'm so proud of all my boys, but 
I just see everything that's coming together here, all this, and, and uh, he's had a huge part in it. And God bless you. All right. Now this morning, as I put everything together, I was taken back once again, and, and the Lord reminded me, this is my business, not yours, and I'm sitting there going, but I want to get into the revelation and the rapture this week. And as I started going through my planner and, and my notes, I realized next week. We're going to talk about the rapture today, though. How many understand what the rapture is? All right. It, it's a good thing, right? We'll touch on that in just a minute. But I just want you to realize that God has a plan for his church. If you're born again and you're not in a backslidden, backslidden state, you're going up. You're not going to have to go through this wicked thing that we call, that we call, I'm trying to click it. He's, he's helping me. There we go. That we call the rapture. So, book of Revelation reveals things to come. The apocalypse means an uncovering, and I'm just going over this for some of you who might be new. The book of Revelation is from and about Jesus Christ, who was, who is, and who is to come. The Apostle John was the recipient of this book so that later generations would have a record, he was asked to record it, have a record of what was to come before Jesus' second coming and following. So the book of Revelation actually talks about heaven toward the end, and we'll get there somewhere probably next year at this point, but somewhere a little later on. And the Lord, out of His love, mercy, and grace, gives a stern warning. Oh, come on. Next one. Thanks. It is this. There are seven churches, or seven candlesticks. There are seven churches that represent seven real churches. That means there were literal churches during John's time where they could walk to them and deliver this message. Then there were seven literal church ages, and each week I've been sharing from those ages what that, that time frame is, and I'll get to that in just a minute when we start with Philadelphia. Then we have seven churches that represent seven timeless what? Church problems. Now why would Jesus care about church problems? Because it involves you and me. Anything that can keep us from God's best is a problem. And so as we go through these seven churches, here's the thing, I want you to put yourself in those churches and say, alright, which side am I? Because both of the churches we're going to look at, the last two today that we're going to look at, Philadelphia and, and, and uh, the other one that I, I can't even think of, Sardinius, no, that's not how you say it. We'll get there in a minute. Those two churches represent this age. Poke your neighbor and say, this age. Say, that's now. Right now. So everything that we're going to talk about today has to do with the last two churches in this church age. So we need to pay attention. Can I get a good amen? It's important that we understand that unless the Bible reveals that something is either a metaphor or an allegory, then what Jesus told John to write about in Revelation must be 
taken literally. All right? There's some crazy stuff going on in this book. In fact, when we get into next week and the week after, you're going to just be going, it sounds like fiction, but it's not. These images, and I talked about this in our, in our introductory uh, week when I introduced Revelation, the beasts in the, in the bowls and the things that are going to hit this planet are real. John posed them in a way that he could understand because he didn't have a grasp. He, they didn't have jets back then. They didn't have nuclear weapons back then. He put it in a way that he could understand it from his century. So we have to realize that as we're going through this book. So unless it says it's a metaphor or an allegory, it is to be taken literally. literally. The book of Revelation shows us precisely how the end is going to come. You will not be able to miss it if you go along with us. The book of Revelation shows us the condition of our planet and more precisely, the condition of men and women's hearts on this planet. It also gives us a snapshot of the horrific events that will take place when all hell and the final judgments of God are released during that seven-year great tribulation. And tribulation means time of trouble, if you didn't already know that. Finally, we are given a glimpse of what heaven's going to look like. How many are ready? How many just get exhausted? You know, you go through your week and you come in here and you're just like, ah, can't wait till I'm doing this in heaven. That's how I feel today. I'm telling you. Every day is, 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 has its own challenges. But it seems like the further we get toward Jesus coming back, the closer we get to when he comes back, it seems like the more that problems and pressures build. Just, just watch any of the news services. There's a wave of violence coming. The good news is, I don't believe we're going to be here. Would you stand with me as we pray one more time? Father God, we are privileged to have a beautiful church, this building. We are privileged to be in the presence of other like believers, beautiful people. Bless each one here today. Give us, as you say so many times, Jesus, those who have ears, let them hear. Those who have eyes, let them see what God is saying to the churches today. It is my prayer, Lord, for this man and for everyone hearing this message that we would all be challenged and encouraged, Lord, to go after you with all our heart, mind, soul, and body. And that when you return, we won't be judged for what we didn't do, but we'll be rewarded for what we did do. And Lord, that's my prayer for each one here today. Speak to each one, even if I don't say it, even if this man doesn't say another word, Lord, I pray every person in this room would hear something from their God. Because that's just the kind of God you are. We love you. We commit this short time to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now you may be seated. All right, I do not have control of this, so you're going to go along with me, right? Revelation 3, verse 7. Today we're going to look at the last two churches. We're going to begin with Philadelphia. This message to the church in Philadelphia is between 1750 and up to the rapture. 
This church's name is, is, if you probably already know this, but what does the town Philadelphia mean? Brotherly love. So it's from the Greek word phileo, and that simply means that the church is together. They love each other. And you know what? I'm encouraged as your pastor to be able to say, I see that here. There are churches I've been in, I did not see that. And how can you be Christian? How can you be followers of Jesus Christ and not have love? Read 1 Corinthians 13 and you know where I'm going with that one. Alright? He said, Jesus, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Some manuscripts believe this is the actual pastor in that town, but regardless, the message was to get to the church. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. And of course we're talking about Jesus. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. I want you to hang on to that just for a minute. Nibble on it like a little cracker and cheese. Think about what is he saying there? What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. That's powerful stuff. No one can defy Jesus. No one's going to whoop Jesus. There's nobody greater. So what he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. That's good news for you and me. John 10.9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. I believe what he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. I believe first that that pertains to salvation. Once you're saved and you are in his house, in his clutch, nobody's going to rob you from that. Only you can release yourself from that covenant. There's some that don't believe you can, but I do believe you can walk away from God. So he's telling us, you can be assured that if you're born again, Carol, you're born again. No one can rob you of that. They could, not that we would ever want to see this because you have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pumpkin on that, that body of yours. They could chop your head off, but you would still be saved. I believe that's what he's saying. Don't worry about what people can do to you. Because it's going to have no effect in the, in the scheme of eternity. Alright? Nobody can steal it. Now, the other thing I want you to get is that he's talking about ministry. He has given us the opportunities that surround us. You know, we have a whole city Ooh, that sounds fun. It used to be Gaylord the town. It's turning into a city. We have a whole community that needs Jesus. And he has given us everything we need. He's opened the doors for ministry. And we need to go through them. And we need to reach the lost. That's our primary purpose. Can I get a good amen? amen. To conclude this thought, I just want to say, Stay faithful, my friends. Stay faithful, my friends. 
Sounds like somebody on a commercial, but I won't go there. Too late. Verse 8, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. There he's just reiterating. How many have been saved just in the last century? Millions. Millions of billions. Billions. A lot of people. A lot more than the previous century. How many in just the last few decades? Billions. Why? Because of stuff like this. <laughs> no longer is it just the written word that has been, this is the best-selling book in the world, right here. No longer is it just the written word. Now it's also the electronic word. There are videos, there are podcasts, there's all these things that people can get a hold of. And I'm amazed that even some of the poorest countries, the poorest towns in the world, have internet. And God's using that to reach people with the good news. Glory to God. So we need to take advantage of this time. Verse 9, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. There were Jews in their midst when this was written that pretended to be Christians. I'm going to talk about a pretender a little bit later, but they pretended to be Christian, but they were really sold-out Jews who just wanted to stir it up. They didn't believe in Jesus. They just wanted to bring division into the body. But every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen. And he's telling these people, and they're going to know that you, Philadelphia, were my followers. I hope he's going to say the same about us. I also wanted to touch on the fact that we could subtly deny that Jesus is Lord. You know what I mean by that? We can come into church. We can lift our hands. We can put that pasty smile on. We can carry one of these. Look at me. I'm going. I'm a Christian. Yet we can deny Christ. How do we know if we're denying Him? I think a good test is to look at those who know you. Where you work, where you go to school. In your family. Do they know that you're a Christian? So we too can deny Christ in our own lives. Matthew 10, 32-33, Jesus said, Everyone who acknowledges Me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before My Father in heaven. Everyone who denies Me here on earth, I will also deny My Father in heaven. Now, I don't believe this is just talking about people that hate Jesus. I think it's talking about us. The church. 
Because we can, we can be some invisible Christian. We can, we can wear that Harry Potter cloak and become invisible to the world if we're not careful. Let's throw that off. Let's build that bonfire. That light that's set on the hill that's not covered up, but that's for all to see so they'll be drawn to Jesus through us. That's how we should be living. Now I'm going to touch briefly on the rapture today. So I, I really, this is one of my favorite verses because of what it says here. So here we go. Many scholars believe this next verse, verse 10, refers to the rapture of the church. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, to hang in there, to be faithful, not to give up. I will what? Protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Now you've got to catch this. The testing is for those who belong to this world. All right? Now I already said this. This is referring to this age up to the rapture, all right? The next slide actually has this on there. From the Greek, ek, it means out of. And I love how Jack Van Impey puts this. He said, this was not through preservation, but out of evacuation. You can get excited about that if you'd like to. It can only be speaking of the rapture. Because the testing is clearly for those who are of this world. Let me ask you this. Do you belong to this world? I'm asking you individually. You don't have to answer me. You answer that as we go through this. Philippians 3.20 We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And these aren't up there. I'm only putting up the, the main scriptures. We are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. Write that down, Philippians 3.20. By the way, common ground group leaders, you'll want this one. Romans 12.2, King James says, We are not of this world. Say that to your neighbor. We are, we are not of this world, Dan. We are not. We may have been born here, but we're not of this world. And then 1 Peter 2, 9-12 through 12 says, But you are not like that. You are a chosen people, a royal priest. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you, you are called out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. That's good news. You ought to be a little pumped up about this. If you're His, if you belong to Him, one of the tests that I've always... And, and I'm telling you, there are Sundays when I come in here and I fight it, it's like, oh God. One of the guys was talking last night at my grandson's graduation party. I'm going fishing tomorrow morning, and, and you know, I found myself getting caught away. 
I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I got a pastor. I get to pastor, but I, that's not what was going through my head. I'm having this little pity party. Oh, he gets to go fishing tomorrow. He's going to be out there catching them, and I'm in here. And then it hit me. Yeah, what? Fishers of men, man. There's always time for fishing for fish. I'm just being honest with you, though. There are weeks when I have to make myself come in here. That's when the anointing comes on me, because I know it ain't me. Isn't me. If you come begrudgingly, do you belong to Him? So, watch your heart. Young people, watch your heart. If you're coming in here week after week, yeah, you got to go to church again. You got some issues, and you need to bring those to Jesus and say, help me with this, Lord. I want to belong to you. How hard is it to come to the Lord? I heard this this morning. So I was sitting in the back, and I'm losing my voice, so sorry about that. He said, tell them it's as easy as one, two, three. I said, what? He said, first, all they need to do is turn to me. Second, I'm already there, knocking. All they have to do, open the door. Third, all they have to do, welcome me in. That's how easy it is to come to Jesus. And if you find yourself in that place where you're begrudgingly coming to church, you need to go through those three steps right there. Say, God, you know what repentance is? Telling Jesus how much you need him. Because if you don't need him, you're not his. I hope this point's getting across. Hallelujah. Verse 11, dear friends, I warn you. Excuse me. Pastor Barb said, maybe you're not going to finish today. Well, I may not if I don't might lose my voice here. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, as what? Temporary. temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. The devil wants you dead. At the very least, he does not want you following after Jesus. So fight this thing. Fight it. Fight it. Fight it. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. We should have the victory. And if we don't have it now, we should be getting it. In everything that we're dealing with on a daily basis. Some of you are wrapped up in things that you shouldn't be, and you know it. And God's not so hard that he's going to kick you out of heaven, but what he wants you to realize is that you've got to go after this thing and beat it. He gives you everything you need to beat the devil. Whether it's, a, it, it's a, a, an addiction, a habit, a bad habit, whatever it is, 
He gives you everything you need to defeat that thing in Christ. We can do all things through Christ. Realize that. If you're born again, you're no longer of this world. This testing, talked about here in verse 10, this testing is for those living in the world without regard to God's Word. The great tribulation then is a seven-year period of unspeakable evil that will be released on the rebellious people of this planet. This is not for the righteous. This is not for you and me. Tell your neighbor, that's really good news. Now I want to share something briefly here. And I'm assuming I still don't have control of this. Nope. Next slide. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you, because this is awesome. This is going back to what we just read. The first three chapters of Revelation refer to the church as it lives on earth. And I'm kind of a little bit getting out of sequence here, but not really. All right, it lines up with verse 10 in chapter 3. Chapter 4 reveals how the church has been taken to heaven, and we're not going to get there this week. But in chapter 4, it actually reveals how the uh, 24 elders, which we believe are the saints of God, are laying their crowns at Jesus' feet. So what does that mean? We've already been judged. We've gotten our crowns. We've been judged. We've gone through the righteous judgment. There's another judgment coming later, after the thousand-year reign, called the Great White Throne Judgment. That's for the evildoers, not for us. Our judgment is going to be to see how many rewards we get. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you're going to get some. I hope I'm going to get some. You know, just saying. I want to be rich in heaven. I wasn't on earth. I want to be rich in heaven. It'd be awesome. Hopefully that by then I'll have enough self-control to know what to do with it. I'm sure I will. I'm in heaven. Glorious body. What am I saying? <laughs> Chapter 5 starts looking at what's going to happen in heaven just prior to the seven-year tribulation. And in fact, it talks about the 21 uh, uh, judgments that are going to come against the earth. And we'll get into that a lot deeper as we move along. But what I want you to get is this. Revelation is silent about the church in chapters 6 through 18. Why? We're not there. We're not here on this earth where the evil is running rampant, where the judgments are being released. We're not here. We're with Jesus. Waiting until he says, let's go gang! And we all come back. Where's Sarah? <laughs> she has pictures drawn of this. Jesus coming back on that white stallion and all of us are behind him. <sighs> and the world, the world is just going to be blown away when he comes back. 
let's fight him. And he's going to go, and that's it. Would have been cooler if I'd had my voice right there. We'll talk. We'll talk later, Pastor Roger. So the church is no longer on the earth. We are in heaven with Christ. Just as Jesus said, I will protect you from the great time of testing. I'll tell you what, if you have no other reason to live for Jesus, this would be a good one. Because you're going to be with him. We're going to be celebrating why, while all of this is being released down here. This is where I took out a whole bunch of notes. I'm going to get back to the rapture next week. We're going to go into it deeper, a lot deeper next week. Hopefully we'll make it through chapter 4, but regardless. With verse 11, Revelation 3.11, I am coming soon, Jesus said. Hold on to what you have so that no one will what? Take away your crown. So we get a crown, meaning rewards. We get rewarded here on earth. And the Bible says, to God be all the glory, so basically that's the reason we lay our crowns down at his feet, is because we're giving him the glory. Are you doing this on your own, Shane? Are you living for Jesus on your own? No way. He gives you everything you need. The power, his Holy Spirit, all the gifts, if you're filled, if you're baptized in the Spirit. He gives you all that so that you will be successful here on this earth. So you will be victorious on this earth. So anything we have, anything we get, anything we accomplish, it's all His. And we're going to willingly do this. Willingly. And Jesus is going to be up there. And then He's going to say, thank you. Now, all of you are going to rule with me. You're going to come back with me. You're going to help me rule. I'm not going to be a peon anymore. I'm going to be one of Jesus' main pillars. Doing whatever he tells me to do, but it's going to be amazing. As we help lead this world. We'll get into this much more later. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 11-15, again, speaking about the rewards, the crown or the rewards, he said, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So who's our foundation? Jesus. Always Jesus. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, this is the one I'm talking about here, all right? The, the righteous judgment. On Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. I want value. I want to have some money. I want to have some bucks, man, when I get to heaven. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Hear this. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping 
through a wall of flames. Man, you are kissing hell. Don't be that person. How do you avoid that? Live for Him. One, two, three. Tell Him you need Him. Open the door. Invite Him in. And then start doing what He tells you to do. That's how you get rewarded. Hallelujah. Okay. Is it time to stop yet? 15 minutes. What this says to me, this righteous judgment, referring to 1 Corinthians 3, 11-15, what this says is that we must, or more specifically, you must, be very careful how you live your life. Only do the things that please God. Be a God-pleaser. Follow the Bible's teachings. That's why He gave us this grand book. To live by it. So that we're not taken to the right, to the left, when we should be going straight. There's so many voices out there today calling us to this place and that, trying to convince us that this sin's okay, that one isn't. the only guide we have. The only firm foundation. Don't fall into the trap that others have fallen into. Don't believe that God's okay with sin. Oh God, it's, He's a God of love. Why he won't, he won't punish me. He's also a righteous judge. And sin demands judgment. You bring it on yourself if you're not living righteously. God hates sin. His followers, as His followers, we must live holy and pure lives. 2 Corinthians 5.10 again, we, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. We will either be judged for our good works or our sins. Pretty simple. How many want to have some good works? I pray they outweigh the, the other one, the evildoer stuff. Verse 12. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. And I love this part. And they will never have to leave it. Now in Philadelphia, they built these huge buildings. And if you see any of the pictures there, you'll you'll see this. But they have pillars that were put up in honor of different famous people. God is going to do that for you and me. We're going to have our own pillar. Hey, hey, see my pillar? right here. You got one too? Where's your pillar? We're going to be comparing pillars. This is awesome. God is bringing us into his kingdom and he is revealing to us, you've always been a part of this. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's your pillar. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will write on them the name of my God. 
And they will be, by the way, what's the name of our God? <laughs> Jesus! Come on! Who else would it be? They, he will write on us the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of God. <coughs> the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. Now, in the old days, they would write their names on their slaves. Now, I know slave has a bad name today. But to be a slave to God is a good thing. And he writes his name. He owns us. What does that mean when he owns you? Nobody can mess with you. You know who I am? I'm God's kid. His name's right here. What you going to do about it? Come on. Exactly. Thank you, Brother Dave. And then it says, I will also write on them my new name. Now, I didn't understand this part. I had to look it up. And then it broke me. <sighs> Jesus. He's watching. He knows everything we do. He knows the nature of us. He knows our character. And as I look at you people in this room, I see the softness, the gentleness. I see the godliness in you. I see the good. And you know, God has something special for each one of us. And he watches how we act and react. And he, he, he gives us a name that reflects our nature and our character. Think about that. And only he and you know what it is. That's how amazing he is. That's the relationship you're going to have with Jesus. Only he's going to know your name. Now, if you're on the other end of the kingdom and he needs you, he's going to call out that name that only you and he know. And you better get there quick because there ain't no messing it up. Well, I couldn't hear you over the... No. Is that cool or what? So we have pillars. We have special names. What this leads me to believe is that we have intimacy with our loving God that we've never been able to have up to this point. What do you think your name's going to be? Think about that. There's another reason to do good works. Yeah, there's Piddler. No, I don't want to be called that, Lord. You know, I was, th I was talking about doing this in the back. You know, needing depends. Norm's down there worshiping and he's piddling. No, 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 no. I really don't have a problem with that, by the way. Just, maybe the jumping part, because that was hurting. But Verse 13, anyone with ears must listen to the Spirit. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit. Not everybody's ears are listening. And this isn't just referring to what he's saying to Philadelphia. This is referring to all of Revelation. The whole book. What God's uncovering. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. This is for you, church. Listen. Apply it. Don't just hear it, but apply it to you. Message to the church in Laodicea. 
I was thinking it was Sardinia. That was last week. 1900 to the tribulation hour. Which means what? Now. The tribulation hour hasn't started yet. Verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. Who are we talking about? Jesus! Verse 15, I know all the things you do. Uh Uh-oh. Did that take anybody else back a little? What'd you do this last week? What'd you try to cover up this last week? Yeah, your neighbor may not have known what you did, but God knows. I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, Laodicea had all kinds of issues going on with her water during the writing of this. Jesus used this as an example because he knew they'd understand it. Their pipes were clogged. There was, what was it, Pastor Barb, you in here? Lime or calcium deposits in their pipes. So they couldn't bring water in from their own well. They had to get it from the, the neighboring community of Hyopolis. That's where the hot water was. That's where they took hot baths. And they pumped it from there all the way down, or, or in, what do they call those things? You know, they didn't have pumps back then, but you get what I'm saying. It got there, all right? And by the time that hot water got to their community, it was warm, tepid. Who likes tepid water? I never realized until just recently, I thought, huh, you're right. I don't like warm water. I like it cold, or with coffee, I like it hot. I don't like in the middle. That's how God feels about us when we're not all in. That's how He feels about His church when we're living like we're a Christian, but it's in act only. And He goes on to say this, I know, oh, excuse me. I wanted to say this first. In in this book, it's, or in this passage right here, I was reading this book, and it's called uh, 40 Days Through Revelation, Uncovering the Mystery of the End Times by Ron Rhodes. And, and he actually talks about the three things that Jesus points out here. So here's what I want you to see, and then I'm going to share what he said about it. You say I am rich, verse 17. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Can you catch all that? That's a lot of stuff right there. They think they're rich. They think they have everything, that they don't need anything. But really, Jesus is saying, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed of your nakedness. They didn't even realize they were naked. Buy ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and I discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Now, this Laodicea community, these were the three main things they were known for. They were a very wealthy community. 
And they traded in gold, textile or clothing, and medicine. And those were the three things that Jesus hit. All right, you're leaning on your own gains, the things that you have worked for, but that has nothing to do with what I'm trying to do here. I want you to buy this stuff from me now. And here's what Rhodes said, and I quote, The Laodiceans' gold blinded them to their spiritual poverty. Their expensive garments garments hid their spiritual nakedness. They produced eye salve, but were unaware of their spiritual blindness. We can get that way. We can think we're all that when we're really not anything. And Jesus is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you don't turn around and come back to me, I'm going to spit you out. What do you think that means? Rejection. He's not tolerating people that are half-hearted. Repent. What's repent mean? One, two, three. Tell them you need them. That's what they missed here. They didn't realize they needed him. They were living it themselves. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. Main text, verse 20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. We often think this is evangelistic in nature, but he's talking to the church. Church, get right with Jesus so that when he comes knocking on your door, you open it. Not having to shut the door, run in the house, grab the Lysol. Pastor's here! Hide the wine bottle! I'm talking about drunks. Anything that has control. He wants to come in. He wants to join you as friends. There are many in this age that act like they're Christian, but within they're a hollow shell. That's why each of us must do our own inventory on a regular basis to check our spiritual health and ensure that we are right with God. Amen? Verse 21, those who are victorious, and I'm almost done, will sit with me on my throne. Here we go. Now I'm picturing Jesus. Whatever my special name is, let's say it's good looking. (laughs) Just for the sake of argument. Good looking, come on up here. Sit on my lap. Join me up here on the throne. Jesus is calling me up, man. Mike, high five. Whatever your name is, but I won't know it, only he knows it. Ah. No, it's not good looking. Thank you. Appreciate that. I hope it's something phenomenal that has to do with my actual character. Besides that, this is only the physical body that I have now. My glorified body is going to be so much better. And I'm just kidding anyway. Hopefully you understood that. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on His throne. 
How are we victorious? Just simply, quickly, by continuing to follow Jesus until he returns for us. Be faithful, my friends. By being doers of the word and not just hearers. I heard Pastor Rogers say that early, James 1.22. And finally, the last verse, verse 22, chapter 3. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. He wants us to get this because it's life-changing. I started out by saying the Word of God is here to train us, to teach us, to be mat- become mature, disciple-makers, to lead others to Christ, not take them away from Him. We need to be so careful with how we live because every moment is precious. And there's so many out there that should be here today that aren't. And we need to rely on God to put us in right places, strategic places, where we will be able to invite somebody to church and say, look, you've got to come out here and check out this crazy pastor. He goes a little long sometimes, but it's fun. And the worship is amazing. And you're going to learn about Jesus. And they're going to love you out there because that's the kind of people they are. They're from the Philadelphia church. Brotherly love. So as I begin to close, I wanted to say this. I've already read from Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one to whom we are accountable. All of us are going to give an account of what we've done on this earth, whether good or bad. All right? Y'all with me? And then I saw this, Ecclesiastes 1, excuse me, 11.9. King Solomon wrote this to the youth of his day. How many youth are in here? Even in body, but sometimes in mind. You always raise your hand on that. And you don't look any younger. But he wrote this, now listen to this, kids, because honestly, when I read this, it, it kind of shook me a little. It made me go back to when I was younger, and I thought about it, and I thought, man, young people, he said, it's wonderful to be young, isn't it? Versus old, right? Enjoy every minute of it, he said. Do everything you want to do, take it all in, but remember... Remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So every decision you make as you're out there, have fun, enjoy it, enjoy life. That's why he made all this around us. But realize in the end you're going to give an account for everything you do. Now us old fogies, we need to look at that too. Because the same thing bears truth. Bears truth. All of us are going to give an account for how we live on this earth. Hallelujah. How many are ready to go up to meet Jesus in the air? Can you put up the second to the last slide? What can we take away from this? Jesus is the door to heaven, the only way. Stay faithful, my friends, to God and to His Word. The church, the righteous church, is going to be taken up or out of this, the way before the tribulation is released. 
Don't let daily living take away from your eternal life. In other words, get a whole bunch of rewards, man. Do the right things in this life. So when you get to heaven, God's going to have a great name for you, a great big pillar, and He's going to have a big crown to place on your pumpkin. If your relationship with Jesus is weak, W-E-A-K, invite Him back in this week, W-E-E-K, so that you're ready to go up. Because when we get to next week's message on the rapture, you are going to feel like your feet are coming off the ground and you're going to want to know you're ready. So don't wait till next Sunday to get right with God. Repent today. One, two, three. Tell Him you need Him. Open the door. Invite Him in. Get right with Him. Repent. The last slide. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Would you stand? I am so thankful that God loves me. When I, when I do an analysis, an inventory of my life, I think of all the dumb, stupid things that I've said that, that I've caused people traumatic experiences with, myself included. I'm so grateful. I don't have to worry about that. It's under the blood. When you repent, you're literally saying, God, forgive me. I know I'm a failure, but in you I'm not. As one of your kids, I'm victorious, and I want to live for you. And I'm telling you, when you give God that permission, your life changes. I believe there are at least one or two in here today that need to repent. There may be people in this room today that have never said yes to Jesus. This is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow because you don't know if tomorrow will even come. We may be raptured today. With every head bowed, if you would, please. Every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to repent. I need to come back to God. I, I need to take that step one, two, three and begin living for Him again. If that's you, would you lift your hand up quickly so I can see Him? Yep, hands going up all over the room. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. A lot of young people there. Thank you. If you're here today and you just need Jesus, you've never asked Him to come into your life, this will be your first time, would you just let me see your hand quickly, please? Anyone here that needs Jesus today. You are ready for it. You know that this is your day and you don't want to leave here without knowing that your salvation has been sealed in the blood. If that's you, put your hand up high so I can see it. Anybody? Yep, thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. All right, we're going to pray. And then I'm going to close the service. But I want everyone to know that raised their hand that you are taking a step of faith. And as you do, God's going to meet you right there. You're not doing this alone. It's not just Pastor Norm and you. It's not just the church and you, but it's you and Jesus in the church. Amen. We're with you in this, but God is the one I want you to look to today. So as we pray this prayer, you look to Him. Just picture Him in your mind just watching over you, welcoming you. He's standing at the door, he's knocking, and you're about to open it. You ready for this? Pray this prayer with me, and I'd ask all the saints in the room to join me. Father God, thank you for loving me and for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. 
Today, I come to you. I give you my life. You already paid for it. Now I'm giving you permission to do with me as you will. I believe Jesus died for me. That they put him in the grave for me. That he went to hell and back for me. And then on the third day, he arose with the keys of death and Hades strongly in his hand. And today he offers me eternal life. And today I receive it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God is so faithful and so good to us. If you've been here any length of time, you know that we've been working on the disciple makers, meaning that we're going to couple people with disciples and they're going to help walk these new saints through this process so they're not in this alone. And and here's what I want today. And this is kind of a different conclusion, but today what I'd like is if you have been born again, this is obviously this is your choice. I'm not making anyone do this. But if you've been born again this year, within the last six months, and you're trusting Jesus with all you have, what I'd like you to do is come up over here right after service. Brother Mac is going to be here, and we're going to give you a little, little card to fill out, which is going to help us get to know you better. And then over this next week or two, we are going to put you with someone who's going to walk you through a little booklet that we call The Seven Basics. It's a wonderful little booklet. You're going to have one-on-one communication with this person, men to men, women to women. If you're younger, we're going to try to have younger people ministering with you. But I just need, if you are at all interested in furthering your relationship with him and getting stronger, more mature, come up here at the end and talk to us over by this table. We would love to speak to you so that we can begin this new Disciple Makers program here at the Hope. And I would ask the saints in this room, please pray for this. I believe this is going to change the fabric of our church. But we need your prayers. We can't do this alone. So join us. Pray for the victory. As Jesus said, call on the master of the harvest and ask him to loose the laborers into the harvest. We need more laborers. Are you with us? Glory be to God. Now we'll close. Father, I thank you again for every little morsel that you planted into our souls today. May they go deep. May they take root. May we remember this message this week, this month, this year. May we share it with others. Help them come to Christ if they're not already there. May you use these burning bushes, as as I would like to call them, these lights set up on a hilltop to reach the lost, shining their light into the darkness showing people there is a place called the hope where they can find Jesus. Lord, we give you this church. We pray for favor in everything we do. We pray that you would watch our every step and keep us safe. If need be, loose angels around us, Lord, as we're driving, 
as we're riding our bicycles, as we're playing out there in our boats or wherever. And most of all, Lord, help us to draw ever closer to you until you return for us. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Make sure you get to know somebody you haven't met. Tell them your name. God bless. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.